All right, we're back. Uh, Friday. Um, give me the date. Well, wait, nope, nope. Don't give me the date. I'm going to guess it. February 8th. Uh, not, not too far off the 12th. Ah. Almost Valentine's Day. What? What the hell? Almost what? Valentine's Day. 214. Ah. Oh. oh, gosh. That, well it's one of those things you forget about. It's like, uh, I saw an SNL sketch a while back where they make fun of CVS. Did you forget about Valentine's day and get your girlfriend something, um, small, like a Ninja turtle (laughs) gift card with chocolates, uh, in the CVS aisle next to the dog food. Well, CVS is the perfect place for you. Um, (laughs) but, uh, we have an exciting guest today. Uh, do we not? Oh, it's, it's, I would say it's maybe the most different from any guest that we've had, but it is definitely fun. We're going to steamroll the movement to get me on. <laughs> we, okay, it's time to get this trending. It really is. We're just going to start tagging yours with po- other popular hashtags and, and um, really put you on. Yeah, look, I might as well say before we get started, the first thing I did when I turned 18 was buy a scratch off. I don't know if I've ever told you this story and then send in a Survivor audition video been doing this nine years i was 18 i'm now 26 so the first thing i wanted to do when i turned 18 was buy the perfect meatloaf pan because you know in the infomercials you can only be 18 or older to call yeah so i always told my parents whenever i turn 18 i want to buy the perfect meatloaf pan (laughs) i didn't i didn't do it but i just I'm, i'm so glad that i'm 27 now and can still buy the uh can still buy anything on an infomercial that I want. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> so later this year, when we start creating merch, we have three t-shirt ideas, uh, meatloaf pan, DV, uh, DVH, uh, VHS uh, combo, and uh, don't be a drunk dad. We got three of them in the bank. <laughs> You're welcome. Just just so everybody can learn about my weird, interesting life that yeah, I think probably, all, I think probably doesn't need to be those t-shirt ideas are from you, and then uh, the other ones just from Olivia. So shout out Olivia. Um, so hot take six: Do we understand Monday morning headlines? All the the same mumbo jumbo. Um, I, you know, we'll obviously talk about you know uh, weekend grab bag as well. Um, you know mishposh of of sports we might find interesting there doesn't there's not a whole lot really that sticks out on the calendar be honest with you um Mm. maybe you feel different oh i do it's the granddaddy of them all the daytona 500 is on sunday oh oh yeah okay i mean (laughs) i'll watch the daytona um sure yeah why not nothing Uh, like a good super speed way to kick us off like we've done for the last (laughs) i don't know however long daytona's been running 50 some years well, this is the only place you're going to get NASCAR, Premier League uh, coverage, and uh, uh, Survivor talk. But let's dive right into it. Um, hot take six. Your, your turn, right? My turn. Okay. So no, I actually, um, I've actually had this guy in my hot take six before, but I'm going to bring him back just because of recent developments, uh, and that's Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And my hot take originally was that he would be a Steeler, but my hot take now is, is that he's going to have to remain a Texan. This is one of those very weird situations where the owners, GMs, coaches, everyone around that organization is going to try to flex everything that they have to keep him around. And it's just, it's not going to matter. So this is going to be um, 
and I, I don't I don't really have a prediction for how this pans out at the very end. Uh, but the closest thing I can equate it to maybe like a Le'Veon Bell situation where you're basically being paid to stay at home. Or, or I, I suppose Le'Veon Bell was not paid because he did not sign his tag. But uh, still, I mean, Deshaun Watson's under contract. So, I mean, they they are going to have to pay him. They can find him, though, uh, you know, with, with team. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Team regulations or team rules, they could find him. But I, I don't know. I think this is I think this is turning into one of those ugly situations uh, where he is undoubtedly going to remain a Texan and, and it's just not going to be good. Um, I, I just I don't see this ending well on, on either side, kind of like how DeAndre Hopkins is just continually trolling the Texans now. Deshaun Watson will have his day, too. Yeah, that, that's a hot take. I mean, I don't think he's going to stay a Texan. I mean, they just fired, you know, one of their key front office guys yesterday, right? So <clears throat> it seems like they're willing to change a, a little bit. I mean, I don't know how much. But, I mean, if they were the hard knocks team this coming summer and Deshaun and J.J. were both still on there, considering the amount of frustration they have, sign me up. I mean, I watch hard knocks every year, but – I mean, that'd be a great season, I'm pretty sure. Um, the problem is with Deshaun, I think they are asking way too much. And, you know, it's a problem. It's a problem because he's dynamic, but he's not dynamic, I think, to sell the farm. He's not dynamic enough, I think, to risk the bank, if you will, I mean, when you look at it, Jared Goff and Matt Stafford, two elite quarterbacks, really, both essentially just traded jerseys, right, and, and coaches. That trade, I feel like for Deshaun, for the Texans to get what they want, they need a three-team trade. And I don't know who's going to be that third team. Who's going to take on, you know, a first or second round pick, you know, maybe they sell, you know, a couple fifth round picks, but we're going to get to that stage here very, very shortly, right before March, right before the league calendar year starts where teams are going to start trading to get rid of caps, uh, you know, cap space and free up some stuff before the draft. Also, Hey, you know, I know it's kind of a wild, wild take, but urban is a rookie head coach in the NFL. He's never done it before. If I was him, I would walk in to the front office and I would say, Hey, why don't we trade the first round pick and get Deshaun and a guy that we know is established and look, Houston's taking the gamble there. Right. But they're going to take Trevor Lawrence. And if Trevor Lawrence turns out to be as good as everyone thinks he is, because no one's thought this highly of a quarterback since Andrew Luck. Why not? Maybe that's a hot take in itself. Well, I'll tell you what's weird is, is it seems like recently with the draft and, and we'll, you know, we'll be back down this road a few times during the, during the course of this show. It, it seems to me like there's more growing love of Justin Fields than, than what we're putting into Trevor Lawrence. It's like we heard all this about Trevor Lawrence and how he's kind of the, the great quarterback and, and the can't-miss prospect. And, and I, I think he'll be serviceable. I don't think he'll be a bad player by any means. But it seems to me like everybody is looking at a what, what I would call a, a higher ceiling 
situation with um, with Justin Fields saying that his playmaking ability will be that that could exceed Trevor Lawrence, but you know what you're going to get in Trevor Lawrence where you feel that this may be a little bit more hit or miss with Justin Fields, right? And and I don't know how I I don't know how I feel about that. I I don't know if I draft based off ceiling or or the consistency, but it, it's the, the quarterback world is a weird world right now. Well, that transitions into my hot take, and well, you know, we can just combine these really. If I do see a third team getting into it, it's Philly, because they can't find anybody to take Carson for what they're looking for. And I've been following this story obviously pretty heavily. Uh, by the way. Um, you know, it's next season. We signed Derek Rose. Uh, I can't believe we went back down that road because he was on our team. Uh, that was the next minute. Um, Jimmy Butler tried to sell a, a foul that wasn't as hard as he made it look, but that's oh, a great video. That's a great video. Uh, it's so frustrating to watch because he clearly knows what he's doing. And never mind. I, I don't want to get into it. We we don't play again until until Thursday. Whatever. Um, wait, today's Thursday. Uh, okay. What, what I'm losing track of things. Um, no, I mean, the, the problem is I think Philly and Houston both want too much for what they want to give up. And Philly's case is my hot take here is <laughs> that Carson might actually find himself on the outside looking in. I know a couple weeks ago I said, you know, he could be Super Bowl MVP in the debut of this segment. I still think he might find himself on a Super Bowl team as a role player. But if you look at the big picture of things, Sean's wanting out of Houston, Carson wants out of Philly. Why don't we put both of those together and then find a third team? And why don't we make the trade happen? Why not Jacksonville? Why not Indy? Maybe San Francisco. San Francisco, it seems like at this point, they're trying to unload a little bit of that Jimmy G contract because it looks like they have a little bit of buyer's remorse. And I see you smiling on the other end. Maybe you think the same thing. I just, I don't know who's going to come out on top when we get to the draft because I think both of us at this point, now I know you said Deshaun's probably going to stay in Houston, but my feeling is before we get to the draft, both of these quarterbacks are going to be traded and someone's going to end up not happy, I don't think. I mean, someone's going to end up not happy because of exactly what you said, buyer's remorse, because the NFL is this weird quarterback carousel of places where, I mean, okay, I mean, we could sit down and do this, but there's there's infinite opinions on this, right? There are There is an echelon of quarterbacks that you, that are basically untouchable, right? That, that are are in this, I mean, if you just look at 2021, the upcoming season, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I'm not going to run through them all, but like the Patrick Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, those guys aren't going anywhere. They're kind of the guys that are untouchable in sense, but doesn't it feel like this is a year that a lot more teams have a quarterback, I don't want to say issue, but more maybe quarterback questions than normal? When, when I see people, uh, you know, I obviously follow a lot of Steelers accounts. There are people that are like, oh, well, you know, who do you think is going to draft a quarterback before the 23rd pick or the 24th pick when the Steelers pick the first 23? I'm like, I don't know. I think you could make a case for almost every single one of those teams having to draft a quarterback, maybe except a couple. But I mean, there seems to be maybe five or six teams that don't have quarterback questions, but everybody else is in a little bit of a limbo. 
Is, is that, is that not wrong? No, I don't think that's wrong at all. I, I wonder this though, because we obviously have different opinions on a good bit of stuff, but then there's a lot of things that we agree on. I mean, that's one reason, we, you know, we, we are doing the show is great sports show. Yeah. That's one reason we're, we're doing the shows because we kind of see eye to eye on a lot of things, really. I, I wonder if you feel the same way as I do. I feel like Jimmy G he he's average enough to get you like five or six wins, but he's not good enough to get you to the, to the playoffs. Because if you look at that team, the way it's built, he didn't really get them to the Super Bowl. He kind of played the game manager role and it was a very heavy run. The ball defensive line was obviously extremely stout when they got to the Super Bowl, you know, just last year. I don't think he's the answer. I do think he's good enough to be a starting quarterback. I, I almost feel like he's, he could end up being a journeyman here in a year or two where he finds himself bouncing from team to team. I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that either because when, when they went to the Super Bowl, I guess it's two seasons ago now, um, didn't, was it Mostert set like the, the yeah. running back record in the NFC championship game for yards? Yeah, Raheem Mostert. And I mean, if you look at it, they do a lot of play action with George Kittle. And I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, the dude's an animal. Yeah, but I mean, don't you think a lot of quarterbacks could throw it to George Kittle? I yeah. mean, that's that's kind of the way I look at it, too, because there's often a conversation of, of you know, the quarterbacks making the receivers better or vice versa. But I mean, George Kittle, I think you could pretty much put him anywhere and have anybody throw him the ball and he would be good. I mean, that, that's kind of the same sentiment that I would have for a guy like Travis Kelsey. I mean, they're, they're just good players, but it, it certainly helps whenever you have a good quarterback throwing you the ball. But I, I don't know. I think this is going to be – I think we could maybe see a lot of quarterback changes before we go into – before the 2021 season. And, I mean, look, even if Deshaun Watson, to, to go back just a second, remains a Texan, they're still going to have a quarterback difference because he's not going to start – He's not going to come to camp. He's not going to participate. He'll just eat the fines. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of it. And and there's going to be a lot of differences. And, and Carson Wentz, you know, they say he's going to go to the Colts, but they also have these different – I mean, tis the season of speculation in the NFL. Tis the season of speculation in the NFL. Um, you know, certainly, excuse me, after the Super Bowl, now everyone is – you know, craving something as far as news, which is probably why the Russell Wilson news is as prominent as it is right now. Um, I don't know if you have that on my list or your list. I didn't have it on mine, but, um, you know, just to touch on that too. Does Russell Wilson really want out of Seattle or is that just a report to, to stir things? It just, you know, but, but it also leads to that point too, that even in a certain environment where Russell Wilson, who was the MVP, of the beginning of the season because everybody couldn't believe he got, couldn't get a vote is, is also now a proposed question mark. It, it just seems like we're in a very weird time to be a quarterback in the NFL or a team that needs one. Yeah. I mean, I guess the last thing in, in talking about Russ, I mean, it's crazy. I feel like that's almost like a strong arm position. Like, Hey, we need to get some, we need to get more weapons than I already have around me. I mean, I have DK, I have DK in the backfield, I, uh, you know, on the outside, excuse me. I have Chris Carson in the backfield, but we need to get another piece or, or something, maybe a, a more prominent tight end. Mm -hmm. it, it almost feels like this is the first time for me anyway, personally, it feels like this is the first time since 2012 in an off season where 
I feel like every single quarterback uh, out of like nine or 10 teams can change and the board's constantly moving in the offseason. If you look at that 2012 offseason, it's legendary. Russell's drafted. Jimmy's drafted. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jimmy was drafted, maybe 2013 or 2011. Uh, I could be wrong about Jimmy. Uh, you have RG. You, ha you have Andrew Luck. Okay. You had the big trade that happened before the draft for Washington to move up and Aaron Donald got drafted. I mean, I felt, I feel like this is the first time in a long time where things are going to change. And I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's all going to be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah. So I think, I think Jimmy G was 2014, if I'm not mistaken, but your, your point is well taken, though, about the quarterbacks, because I remember before that draft, the conversation was a lot around how deep is this quarterback class? Tannehill. And I mean, right, Tannehill was in that draft. Kirk Cousins was in that draft. Nick Foles, uh, the legendary superstar Brock Osweiler was in that draft. Um, Ryan Lindley, who I still believe has a job in the NFL, I think. Um, and Brandon Whedon, which that's, yeah, that's six to one. But anyway, I mean, so a lot of guys that were serviceable during their time and, and certainly guys that helped win game. I mean, Andrew Luck is, you know, he, he retired early and we can understand why, but, you know, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Nick Foles, Ryan Tannehill, uh, and throw Andrew Luck in there, RG3 in his first season. I mean, those are guys that have won games for teams. So, if, if you go into another deep draft class like we may have this year, or there's just a lot of a lot of quarterback turmoil on the outside, we're in for a fun offseason. Yes. So uh, my, my actual my second hot take is actually uh, revolving around quarterbacks as well. Uh, not necessarily the, the quarterback carousel of sorts. Uh, but a report came out today that Matthew Stafford played through multiple injuries in his final Lions season. Uh, and I'm just going to say it. I think Matt Stafford is the toughest quarterback in the NFL all time. That's my take because I remember a the NFL films cut of him basically separating his shoulder. It's it's the longest uncut clip in NFL films history uh, where he injures his shoulder, goes off to the sideline, comes back in and basically wins the game on a last, you know, a last second throw. I think it's from 2012, 10. It's, it's a while ago. Um, but, but I don't know. I mean, the, the dude has taken so many hits, uh, and has stood up to him and, and obviously played through a lot of injuries. Now, I think you could make the argument too. And I'm sure a lot of old heads would come at me and, and say, Oh, well, you know, it's, it's not the same that it was in two or, you know, 1980 when these guys were getting hit by these guys and this, but I mean, that's fine. I mean, you can make the argument that the guys from the fifties and forties are tougher. I mean, yeah, they didn't play in anything but they're also getting hit by dudes half the size of the guys that are playing now. So I don't know. I think Matt Stafford is a, is a very underrated quarterback in the, in terms of NFL history, because he's been, uh, he's been laid up in Detroit for the first 11, 12 years of his career. Yeah. That was actually the Brady Quinn game. It was 38, 35. And I remember Scott Hansen. I'm pretty sure that might have been his second season of red zone. They kept going to that game. And I was like, why is he going to this game? Oh, they're just scoring up and down the field. And um, it is a crazy clip because you, you see him holding his arm and he finishes the game. Brady Quinn also went off in that game, which is a crazy thing to say. Um, 
you know, all respect to Brady, but, you know, couldn't believe that those two quarterbacks were going back and forth. Um, no, I, I, Matt is tough. I, the, the problem is, and we've talked about it before, he didn't really have coaching in Detroit. Outside of Jim Caldwell, who did he have? Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm almost positive um, Jim Schwartz was the coach for some of those years. Uh, then Jim, you had Matt Patricia. Um, you know, I mean, he's not going to have to deal with breaking kneecaps uh, with with uh, Dan the Man, Soup Campbell. But I mean, it, it's crazy that he had Megatron and he had some of the pieces that he had in the in the running back field. Um, guys like Tony Scheffler on the outside, guys like Golden Tate. He never, you know, was able to get <clears throat> you know over the hump. But if they would have give given Jim another season or two, I'm sure he would have got back to the playoffs and made it over that wild card round. The toughest quarterback of all time. I don't know about that. Um, I will say I've seen some clips. saw a clip the other day, um, Warren Sapp uh, hitting Steve Young in a game in like the, the mid nineties or late nineties. It looks like Steve Young should have lost his head. Like he's going down and Warren's knee literally snaps Steve's head back. Like it's a vicious clip. So it, it's a different game, just like the NBA was in the nineties compared to today, but he plays through injuries. He's one of those quarterbacks who plays through injuries. I feel like no matter what. Well, that could also, you know, if you play through injuries, that could also hurt your team as well. So, I mean, there's, there's an argument to be made on the other side of that too it's funny you bring up the old, you know, the old clip of Warren Sapp because I was talking today to somebody we're talking about old school NFL and, and one of my all time favorite players for you NFL gurus out there uh, is a cornerback from the fifties and sixties. His name's Dick Lane uh, referred to as night train, night train lane. He would be a great corner in today's game based off of size. Cause he was, a, I think he was six, three. I mean, he was a big human being. But if you, if you know your NFL history, you know that the NFL was starting to put in face masks right in around the 1950s, right around the time he came in the league. So basically, he would just tackle people by it because there was no rule against tackling against the face mask by then. So basically, he'd just run up to somebody, grab them by the face mask, and just throw them on the ground. So, you know, the argument about being tough is, is, is kind of, you know, based on eras too, right? There's there's certainly nobody getting tossed around by their face mask every single play too. But uh, the other quarterback I would put in that, and, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just picking with my heart again. Big Ben is one that I would put in that. And honestly, I, I would probably put Tony Romo in that too, to come back from as many injuries as he did to continue playing. Uh, you know, I, I don't fault a guy for having two broken collarbones or, you know, if, if it was two or one was, a fr I don't know. I don't know all the injury details, but, you know, these guys that routinely play through injuries come back and have that higher pain tolerance. You have to have respect for them, but you're right. It is really a different game. Nobody's really getting their head taken off anymore, uh, quite the same. But Joe Burrow might have to be on that list here soon, too, if he keeps taking the hits he took last season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want the XFL to come back sooner, <laughs> by the way, because, like, watching, like, tough players, it's like, I don't know if you watched the XFL when it came back. It was 10 times better than it was the first go around. Mm -hmm. But those guys take massive hits. Um, I, I don't know. I, that was a random thought. By me. Um, sticking with tough, 
but this is kind of the opposite end of it. Hot take is what's the NBA doing? Uh, the NBA is still going to play the all-star game. Voting's getting ready to close soon. I mean, guys, what are we doing? <clears throat> We're on. Obviously they had to do it when we had Bamani on, he said it, you know, the best it's coming down to getting this money. And that's exactly what it is. So they had to fit in the season when they did. And it's been a lot. It's been brutal for a lot of the players, especially LeBron. I don't know if you saw him speaking the other day. He's mentally and physically exhausted, um, rightfully so. And a lot of these players are because they're doing back-to-backs. They're doing three back-to-backs in a row some nights. NBA players aren't built for back-to-backs or, you know, three, <clears throat> three-headed back-to-backs. Those, those are things that they build the season around so they don't have to do that. <sighs> I feel like they should they should not play the all-star game. If they're not going to – even if they have limited fans, which I'm imagining they will, why not just delay it? Give the players the four or five days off. Let them rest. Because a lot of those players – not a lot, but I would say, what, 15, 12, 12 to 15% are going to end up playing in the Olympics – this summer, as long as they plan, uh, you know, plan to go on. And they're going to have to play exhibition games before that. Imagine, put it this way, imagine a guy like KD who he gets done the season. Let's say they go out in the Eastern Conference Finals or even the Finals, okay? That's not going to finish till June, till June or July, okay? Because of the modified season. Now, now I got to get ready to go to Tokyo and play a, like three or four exhibition games. I feel like... It's, it's just not a smart business decision. Maybe it is about just simply getting money. But, I mean, if anything, if you're going to play the All-Star game, don't do dunk contests. Don't do three-point. Like, give players rests. And, but, you know, I don't even know if it's set in stone yet, if NBA players are participating in USA basketball. I think, I think it's going to be. But, you know, give them a rest. Yeah, well, here's here's one other thing that I think of with that, too. So do you remember that stretch? I mean, I guess it still kind of happens, mostly because he plays in every single Super Bowl. But do you remember that stretch there where Tom Brady would pretty much get voted to the Pro Bowl every single year and he would just say, I'm not playing in the Pro Bowl? Yes. Why not just do that? Why just say Why not just say you're not playing in it? You know, the NBA of all leagues is, is definitely the most, um, you know, liberal in terms of, you know, caring about their players. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a very positive thing for the NBA is, is that they seem to be the best managed and have the best relationship between their players association between the league, because Adam Silver does a great job with it. Of all years to have the all-star game, this is not the year because you know what? Number one, it's just an extra thing to have to worry about in terms of, you know, COVID protocols with that. Number two, I mean, the, the NBA All-Star Game is, is fun to see some cool dunks and, you know, you see guys alley-oop into each other that you wouldn't normally see, but it doesn't mean anything. And, and that's, kind of the, that's kind of the reason that I struggle with these All-Star Games that really don't mean anything. And, like, even baseball, where it determines home field advantage in the World Series, I, I feel like that's a very weird thing to put on your All-Star Game, right? Is to say, yeah, well, whoever wins this, like, the best team who, you know, may have, like, six guys here, they're going to get home field. 
Well, the guy playing for that team that doesn't care, you know, the one guy from the Pirates, the one guy from the Orioles, they're like, we, I don't care who gets home field. Like, we're not going to the World Series. I think all-star games in general are a joke. I don't understand. You know, we don't need the dunk contest. Honestly, the dunk contest has gotten stale, except for that year with Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, where that was a fantastic dunk contest. How much more can you really do with dunks where you're not, like, parachuting out of a plane dunking it? Because I, I, I feel like it's just overdone. Yeah, I don't want to see the dunk contest without fans because the fans give energy even when you're not there and you're watching it through TV. Like, okay, like I'm a little bit into this, but like if fans aren't like, you know, throwing up tens like they do every, you know, like for crazy dunks, then like what's the point? You know what I mean? If players aren't like, you know, grabbing each other on like, you know, the benches like and going crazy. I mean, I just pulled up an article here. These are players that have expressed interest in playing in the Olympics. This is just from a week ago. Jimmy Butler, Seth Curry, Anthony Davis, Paul George, James Harden, LeBron, Kawhi, Damian, um, Draymond Green. Like, those are all key guys. And probably all of them at this point look like they're going to be in the playoffs except for the the Warriors, you know, with Curry and and, and Draymond. They're going to be drained by the time they get to next season, and it's it's going to be it's going to be rough. It's going to be physical, and just take time off. I will say about the dunk contest. Also, not only is it would it be weird without fans, but the energy would be completely different, and it would kind of hard to be like, oh, okay, I've seen this through the leg, you know, through the leg dunk before. Whereas, like, if the home run derby this summer, I'm sure it'll happen. I, the home run derby doesn't really af- affect my mood because I feel like ever since they switched it from the 10 out format to the time clock where I was actually at that uh, Nats park for the time like clock uh, format, it's so much, it, it's almost like a flip-flop where the derby used to be boring to me and the dunk contest was exciting. Now it's completely flip-flop. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like the fans don't necessarily add the same element to the home run derby that they do the dunk contest in a, in a loose sense, because you're right. The, the one big thing about the dunk contest that I always like seeing is, you know, somebody throws down a, a great dunk and everyone kind of goes wild. That's, that's the fun in it. So, and, and I don't know, I just, I don't feel like the dunk contest is what it used to be. Maybe I just don't watch it as much and, and I don't, you know, I don't recognize all the players anymore, but it, it just doesn't seem to, it just doesn't seem to have that same appeal. So I'll, uh, if, if this was a buy or sell, I'd be selling the all-star weekend and the, and the dunk contest. I don't need any of it. Um, what was the year that Blake Griffin jumped over a car and like hit the car on the way? And, and I, I was very, uh, I was very uh, against that. It was 2011 where he jumped over the, the Kia. Yeah, because everyone's like, did you see he jumped over a car? I'm like, well, I mean, he hit the car on the way and his legs stayed on. I don't think he jumped up. I, look, I don't know. It's <laughs> this. It's not my area of expertise, but I'm 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 sticking with the players this year. You got to you got to give them a chance to rest. And, and even if it's just a couple of days off in, in there, give them an opportunity to not have to play. All right, so my last hot take has to deal with the NHL. 
this is one that I think some fans are going to be very excited to hear. And one that I think some, you know, may not um, even really care about because they don't like hockey. Um, I think this year, the Toronto Maple Leafs will not only win a playoff series for the first time since 2004, I also think that they are going to go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Um, I think that a shortened season definitely benefits a team like this where they have the opportunity to, um, you know, play a couple, you know, back-to-backs. It's similar to the NBA in that regard, but uh, I'm, I'm going to give it to the Leafs to go all the way to the final this year. I think that they really have a team that can do it. They have firepower. So let's, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> well, let's talk about that because that, that is, that's nuclear hot take. Um, I don't see that happening at, at all. I mean, look, Austin Matthews is great on the outside. Jonathan Tavares is a great, is a great like uh, addition in that lineup. Um, goalkeeping has been great, <laughs> but I mean, I'll never forget it. Probably the, the the craziest collapse I've seen in sports. It, it has to be top top like ten for me. Is watching the series between the Bruins and the Maple Leafs where they collapsed, and especially with the Bruins were down three one in the third period and ended up winning the game four three with like nine ten minutes left. That's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. The um, it it might help them though where they don't feel like they have the pressure because. Canada still, and especially Toronto, still a hockey town, even though the Raptors won the, the NBA title. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they're huge into basketball as well in Toronto, mm-hmm. but they're, they still love their hockey. I actually think on the opposite side, I actually, excuse me, I actually think Vegas has a chance of winning the Stanley Cup the way things sit right now. Because if you've watched any of Vegas's games, they play with such smoothness with the division set up and it's working out in their favor. Mm-hmm. They're, they're having a lot of five, three matchups. They're getting points. Um, it's kind of crazy that we're what only two or three months away from the season ending, like only like maybe two, I think, right. It ends in April, maybe may um, it it's going to be interesting down the stretch. Also Philly has played well, Pittsburgh, P- Pittsburgh can't seem to get the puck out of their zone and move it across. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of interesting teams. It feels like too jumbled at this point, really, to make that prediction. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, nice hot take. <laughs> well, the thing is, is there's – I feel like there's – this is similar to our, our quarterback conversation earlier where we talk about there's, like, tiers of teams. And, and I mean, certainly as you look through the divisions here and, and you just talk about the top teams, I mean, Tampa's 9-1-1. Uh, surprisingly, Florida's off to a hot start at seven, one, and two, which which is better than what most people expected. Uh, from the East, I, I think the two, in my opinion, the two favorites, Boston and Philly, are are not surprisingly as good as they have been. Uh, and you're right, Vegas is certainly there too. But I think Toronto has a benefit that the that the Canadian division this year, or the, or the North, as it's being called, um, that that division is is a little bit weaker in the sense that. Uh, the Jets, the Jets are off to a good start, but they're not necessarily the the same team that they've been. Uh, Calgary is a little bit weaker, and of course, Vancouver and Ottawa aren't aren't up to par right now. So, they have a benefit of playing some easier games. Um, 
Now that can either go one of two ways that either helps them in the playoffs where they have an opportunity to really turn it on, or it hurts them that they haven't seen that top level of competition because in a year that it's not like any other, which I'm sure we've all heard that more times than we care to admit in the past 365 days. Um, this is, this is going to be interesting because of it, because you're going to see these matchups that you wouldn't normally see. Um, and, and, you know, if they remain on the top, they're going to draw a favorable matchup against, you know, what would be like a four seed in that regard uh, or a fourth, um, fourth ranked team from a different conference. But I don't know, this might be the year of the Maple Leafs. I'm uh, I won't say that I'm rooting for it because if it's not the Penguins, it doesn't necessarily matter in my eyes. Um, of course, if Vegas wins, Marc-Andre Fleury wins another one, and, and the city of Pittsburgh feels forever indebted to him for a lot of reasons. But, uh, yeah, I think Toronto's off to a hot start. I think Toronto is, uh, right now, maybe my favorite to win the Cup. I would love to see what a uh, championship parade would look like in Vegas, um, just scenery-wise. We were really trying to speak that into existence in football, but unfortunately yes. uh, we might hey. have to wait till hockey. Yeah. They, that doesn't mean we're still not a Vegas podcast. This is true. Um, last hot take HBO has done it again. Um, it seems like they're going to hit a home run with this if things work out well. So the problem, and we've talked about this, you know, it's one of those things that we continue to have to bring up when I've, bring up entertainment stories. And I feel like we, you know, we clearly agree that there needs to be more originality in Hollywood. This is, this is pretty original. So I don't know if you're an Xbox or a PlayStation guy or, you know, not a gaming guy at all, but there's a game called last of us. And basically it's a guy and he's protecting, you know, a girl and they're living in this like post-apocalyptic world, really um, similar to I am legend, but there's more people really. Mm -hmm. um if you've ever seen i am legend is that one of the movies you've seen i have seen that one yep very sad scene with the dog yes yeah let's not bring that up um <laughs> but they cast um uh the uh the girl and uh the guy finally so they casted uh the girl who uh she was a key role in game of thrones late in the seasons um and um she played uh i forget the first name but she played lady mormont uh for game of thrones her name is bella ramsey and then pedro pascal who is Mandalorian, who's also been in Game of Thrones, who's also been in Wonder Woman. Uh, seems like he just keeps hitting things out of the park. Um, he he got casted as the guy, and um, it looks like all things are going to be... It, it looks like it's going to be ending up a great TV show. You know, of course, they got to write the, you know, finished scripts and, and get things shot and edited and stuff. You know, it'll be a year probably before everything is done and finalized probably you know maybe even 2023 i don't know but it's going to be a good show uh the problem i have i have a little worry with is i don't know if you've ever seen anything games that were in the movies or tv but games for some reason never translate i mean uh, i've seen prince of persia which was a game it was into a movie terrible um i've, I've seen max Payne with mark Wahlberg. that's one of the worst movies i've ever seen uh, it's one of like a handful of movies I couldn't finish and, and like, I, you know, I turned off. So, but it looks like um, it, it, it's going to end up uh, working out though. I hope. So you're saying angry birds, the movie was not one of your top 10 movies of all time. 
uh, I watched the trailer and I knew that I knew that I, I wouldn't go see it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I can't say that I've seen that one and probably for the best, but <clears throat> I, I agree with your take on that uh, games and, and movies usually struggle to translate. And I, I think it's because even though there's overlap of, of the enjoyment of both of those, oftentimes, I mean, people like video games, people like movies. I don't think that's two weird things to like at the same time, but I think it's because you're writing scripts for just completely different, completely different audiences, even though it's, even though, again, it's, it's not mutually exclusive. It kind of is in the sense that, you know, when you're writing a movie script, you're, you're trying to make everything make sense and come together and, and you're doing the same thing in a game, but you also factor in the gameplay element, which, which is what makes it fun for the user. Now, I mean, with, with everything that they've changed in games the last 10 years, you actually have to buy stuff, whatever that is. But anyway, you, you really, it's two different user experiences because with the, with the movie, you're supposed to be drawn in for that two hours or however long it is. And, and you don't want to lose that interest where in a, in a video game, the, the lapse in, in entertainment, if you will, is, is kind of you playing the game because you want good storylines with it. And I know like a lot of, um, you know, war games, they, they get talked about with that often, you know, call of duty or uh, the campaign mode is, is I suppose what they're called, but people say, you know, like, Oh, that was really good. That was great. But the lull, lull in the action of, of that script is you playing the game because you're basically doing. I think that this can be done. I, I don't think. I, I don't think that we're going to see this trend continue forever. And I, I want to see something like this work. But you're right. The trend of history tells us that video games and movies are not something that are meant to be combined, but there has to be something that bucks the trend eventually. Yeah. And the benefit of this is it's going to be TV. So where, you know, you can have nine to 10 episodes, eight to 10 episodes mm -hmm. to stretch it out. And they're probably going to be an hour long. And you have Pedro Pascal, who, you know, I know you're not a Star Wars guy. I keep... I, promise me over the summer during during the uh the dog days of summer when i know you're obviously a big pirates fan you at least watch one episode maybe two let me know what you think and if you don't like it i'll, I'll stop talking about it to you but he he's a good actor and then they have you know someone good who you know is from game of thrones that you know is going to play be playing the girl you know what i mean so that's the benefit of that um you know it's kind of interesting later this year uh, they haven't released trailer yet, but I know that it's happening. Um, it's going to be released in like October or November, supposedly, is Halo. There's like, <laughs> there's a Halo TV show that's like live action that is going to be on Showtime. That yeah. seems like one of those things that's like hard to translate to to film or TV. You know, you can't do it with, ev with every single game or... or you know, you, you set yourself up for failure. <laughs> you know, you, you got, you got to do the right things and it, it, it's hard because like you said, you're, you're playing the story and it, it almost seems like at times, if you've ever seen any of those video game movies that they don't under, they're not grasping the concepts that made like the game hugely popular and putting it in the movie. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and your to your point, it, it is hard to do that because you know, again, what, what are some of the most popular games? You know, when you look at games that are extremely popular, you're talking about 
I, I know sports games are obviously popular, but you can't make a sports game into a movie. You can't make NBA 2K into a movie. You want to know why? Because they're playing NBA games every single night. We know what that looks like. It's the same with Madden. Now, when they bring college football back, it'll be the same thing with that too. And, you know, I, I think the, I think the one that, that you can, and, and it, I'm hesitant to say something like Halo would work, but I can see where you would try to do that with the storyline. It kind of goes with like the war games too. But I think the, I think the appeal of something along the lines with war movies is that the accuracy of what happened is correct. And that's what people seem to care about. So you, you almost have to find a video game in some senses that doesn't necessarily have a realistic equivalent that you can write that story based off of. And maybe that's why something like this could work because you are kind of left to the imagination. And, and even if it follows the gameplay specifically, you're talking about two things that, again, are not mutually exclusive, but you have to combine together because the elements just aren't there otherwise. Yeah, I, I think the last thing I'll say about the whole thing is the I'll see, you know, of course, I'll end up watching Halo just to see, you know, is it something worth watching, right? That's mm -hmm. what I do with any TV or, or movie. But the, uh, Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan, who uh, are executive producers and writers for Westworld, one of the best TV shows um, that I talked about on last episode that I've seen, in, you know, quite a while. Um, it's it, it's up there. Um, they're unless it's still not in development they're going to do a fallout uh tv show but they're going to base it around the fallout game which was the most previous one which is where it took place in west virginia mm -hmm. something like that might work you know if you have the right people so we'll see what happens though um ryan man we have such a fun guest on today's show i can't even believe how fun of an interview it is so for our, for our listeners, it's a little bit different. It's it's not necessarily sports related. Um, it's a little bit more reality TV. Uh, Kelly Wentworth, who was a contestant on Survivor three different times, uh, comes in, talks a little bit about the show. So for those interested in Survivor, you probably remember Kelly if you've watched it uh, routinely. Uh, but even if not, it's certainly just a fun interview to get a little behind the scenes on the show, uh, talk about what it's really like, but also go into, you know, we always got to talk sports too. So, uh, but it is a very fun interview and we hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. And now our interview with Kelly Wentworth. All right. We now welcome on three-time Survivor contestant and reality TV star, Kelly Wentworth. Kelly, thank you for joining the Two Ryan Sports Show today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a little bit different than some of our normal sports guests, but we're always up to talk to somebody uh, a little bit outside of the sports realm and, and obviously somebody like yourself who's been around the reality TV realm, as we said, with Survivor. Um, but just kind of getting into it here, you know, maybe this is a question that I'm sure you've been asked before, but uh, being on Survivor multiple times and having the opportunity to compete multiple times, uh, what would you say was your favorite season or, or maybe even favorite challenge that you were able to get into during your time on the show? Okay, good question. I feel like I should have come more prepared, but I will provide a decent answer here, I think. Okay, so I played three times. The first time I played was with my father. So that was a very unique experience, obviously. Second time I played was on a second chance season where I was voted back in. And so that is my favorite season only because 
the format of it was really cool. The fact that fans got to vote. And then I was playing with a bunch of these, what you would say like iconic players, right? So that was really, really cool. And then I just think overall, it was a great season. I know some people kind of talk badly about it because it was too like gamey or strategic, whatever, not enough character development, but I think it was a great season. And then my last season, I mean, that was just a dumpster fire. So yeah, forget that one ever happened. <laughs> um, so Kelly, I'm not going to ask you the bathroom question because that's okay. such a boring survivor question, okay? Okay. Um, we know that I'm a, a big Survivor fan here. I have yeah. a feeling I know the answer to this, but what's the worst night of sleeping? It, it has to be that Cambodia during the downpour, right? Like by mm -hmm. far? Yeah. So anytime that it rains, it's very, very bad because there is no protection. I mean, we do these shelters where you have a few palm fronds spread across the top, but it doesn't help with all the rain that still comes through. So any night that it rains, there were a couple of horrible, horrible nights in Cambodia. There was also a really, really bad night in Edge of Extinction. It was in the beginning. I think it was on maybe day two. It was really stormy. I, I just remember laying there and there was water like dripping into my ear. And I just thought to myself, why did I agree to come back here? This is actually the worst thing ever so yeah any any night where there is rain is bad but I will tell you the bamboo is also awful to sleep on so it got to the point middle of the season where I just start sleeping by the fire because the dirt is actually more comfortable than the bamboo in the shelter so it's funny you bring that up because um I've, I found something before our interview here there is Survivor Australia and mm -hmm. Australian Survivor, they don't do 39 days, they do 56. Do you think you would be able to handle 56 days? That, that probably means they're voting, they're doing someone every week instead of every three days. How many people do they start with? Is it also 20? Uh, it's uh, 26 normally, 26 to 28. Okay, so six extra people. Uh, any extra time you have to spend on Survivor is torture, let's be honest. So I don't know that I would agree to that or want to do that. Is the prize still a million dollars or is it more? It's uh, 500000 Oh, yeah. No, I'm out. I'm out. Forget <laughs> that. No, no. More time and less money. That just is not good. That doesn't make sense. No. Mm -mm. Not enough Not enough water in the year to make the extra five. No, the, the that's $500,000 worth it, right? Mm-mm. After taxes, forget it. That's not worth it. No way. No, I I don't blame you. I don't blame you with that. I'm I'm sure that the money is nice, but still, you know, you're you're taking a chunk of that out. Well, obviously, with your career on Survivor, we we know you're a competitor and you like the edge of competition. Um, I was reading up on you a little bit here on the internet. And, you know, the internet never lies about anything. <laughs> it says never. you're a big Scrabble fan. You're a big Scrabble I love fan. Scrabble. You love board games. Oh my god. Yes, I love board so games. Yeah. What's what's your go to what's your go to big word in Scrabble? Because I feel like as an avid player, you have to have those words that really work in those letters, right? Oh my gosh, you're so putting me on the spot. I okay, confession, I don't have a go to big word because I just let the letters that I have in front of me speak to me. And whatever they're saying, that's what I go with. So, you know, I just try to make sure I get those big letters in there. Like you want to get the points, right? So the X's, the Z's, if you can make that work and also the double ups, that's when you're really winning at Scrabble. So that's, that's usually what my strategy is. I haven't played in a while. That's the problem because of this whole 
you know, pandemic thing. I don't, I can't really get around family or do things. So it's been, it's been a bit. Sure. You can are, play- are there any other games that you kind of go to with, with go-tos and board games, or is it just Scrabble? Is that kind of the, the top tier in your Okay. Opinion? Okay. Scrabble is amazing. I also play Yahtzee. I play okay. Domino. Big, big Yahtzee guy. I play, have you, okay, good. Have you ever played Pass the Pigs? Where you like uh, have no, the two please, little pigs and you throw them and the way they land, you get points. That's not a real game. Yes, it is. <laughs> Look up past the pigs. Yes, it is. <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to have to take Swear. notes in the interview, but okay. Past the pig. All right, here past we go. Pigs. It's just these two little tiny pigs and then you throw them like dice. And when you throw them, the way they land, like they have like a sorter and they have like, there's different names for the way they land and you get like, one point, five points, but then if they touch each other at any point, then your points are completely zeroed out. It's very fun, actually. It's it's just a fun way if you're like, just want to do a quick game. It's fun to do. Well, so there you well go. now I have a new game to look at. <laughs> I guess my favorite game is probably uh, Ride the Bus. That's always a good one. Um, what is that? I've never heard of that before. It's just like a card. Your game. turn to take notes in the interview. Yeah. Yeah. What is this? It's basically just like a card game. Um, I'm sure Ryan's played it too. And like, basically, you know, you flip the card and if you're wrong, you take a drink. That's pretty much what it is. Oh, it's a drinking game. Okay, okay. Well, Ryan, when you, how old are you? I am 26. Okay, I'm almost 35. So when you get to in your 30s, you gotta tone it down the drinking games because otherwise it's just not good. It's not good for the next day. It's not good for the next week. So. I'll check out the game you're talking about, but I may have to pass because <laughs> I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> um, so, Hunger on Survivor and Ponderosa. I'm curious because I feel like uh, every day I'm trying to not eat as much just so I can prepare myself for the lucky call of being on Survivor. So I'm mm-hmm. starving myself sometimes. No, um, don't do that. <laughs> no, no. Um, how real is the hunger like this the scoop of rice and then when you get to ponderosa because you've been to ponderosa um once i think you were on there as extinction too if i believe um Mm -hmm. like when you get to ponderosa you see yourself in the mirror and you're like oh my gosh like look how tan i am like all those kind of things and then you just devour whatever is put in front of you like what is like the satisfaction and the dissatisfaction between the two like yeah that's okay this is a good question so when you are out there we really do not get food i don't know why some people seem to think we get like secret candy bars handed to us or dinner served to the beach we don't like what you see is literally what we get we get a a little um i say bucket but whatever You, you know you get a bag of rice to start on each tribe and you have to ration that because that is supposed to last you the whole game so if you run out if your whole tribe runs out of rice on day 35 there's no more rice. Like you don't get any more. I remember on season 38, everyone was so mad. Cause I was like, we can only do two coconuts full, like scoops of rice per day. And people were like, no, we can do more. And I said, no, we can't because you, this is part of the game. So yes, you're very hungry. Sometimes you can catch fish or clams or things like that, but it's, it's, you know, few and far between. And then when you get to Ponderosa and you've been starving, same kind of deal with a challenge actually you just eat whatever you can and you feel sick obviously because i'm like ooh oreos ooh um pizza oh i want ice cream it's like 
imagine not eating for so long and then you're just stuffing your face with every bad thing. And that's why a lot of contestants when they get home gain a bunch of weight because your body, right? Like it's been adapting to not eating. And then now you're just completely stuffing yourself and you're not doing it in a healthy way. It's not like you're like, oh, I'm gonna eat salads now and get back to eating normally. No, you're eating everything. Like I would hide Kit Kats in my purse. My husband would, would be like, what is this? And I'm like, that's my Kit Kat. Like it's so, so bad. So yeah, you go from eating nothing to completely just stuffing yourself with anything and everything. Actually, that's probably my last question. Um, when you get home, a lot of people say that it's more of adjustment of not just the hunger, but like actually sleeping on like a real bed um, and just the schedule of things because your body's so used to being out in the heat, out in the, you know, the rain or whatever. You're in Fiji for, you know, 44 days of filming because they, mm -hmm. they don't know who's going to end up winning. Um, it, w which one was the tougher part? You mean the food or the like sleeping or right. time change? Yeah. Like just like your schedule, like when you came back. Yeah. When I came back, I can specifically remember Cambodia when I came back. I think the first morning I woke up at like 4 a.m. Because yeah, I couldn't sleep. And the bed thing wasn't, I mean, it was nice to be back home. I think it's just more so the entire experience. So once you're on Survivor, and especially when you get really far, like I got to day 38 in Cambodia. So I only had two days at Ponderosa before we flew home. I remember being on the flight and it felt like, I had just been through war or something, some other like traumatic experience. And it almost felt like I was in my own world because everyone else around me is just leading their normal lives. Like they're just, you know, they're getting on a flight, they're going home, they're going to visit someone. And I'm like, I've literally not had a bathroom, not had a bed, not had food for X number of days and no one knows what I've gone through. So I think that's the weirdest part is when you have to get back into society and you're like, uh, hey, look at me. Like, I've literally just been through hell. Um, no one knows and I can't tell you. So this is really, really strange. And it, it also low-key turns you into a vulture because you're claiming small Kit Kats in your purse. <laughs> no, this was king size. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Fair I was enough. eating everything. And you know what the bad thing is, not to keep going on this, but you get in this mindset of like, I deserve it. Like, I deserve to eat really bad food for a month because I starved for a month. And that, it's, it's really bad. It's really bad. It's, it's not, it's, it usually doesn't end well for people. I, I wouldn't say that's the worst thing in the world. I think you do deserve it. If you've been starved for that long, it, it's, it's almost like a reward of sorts that I, I survived and did not die on Survivor. But not for that long because your body's like, ooh, I'm gonna store every single thing you eat because you have been treating me like crap <laughs> forever now that's the best we have been rationing rice for the last month so if you could just give me an oreo or a king size kit kat that'd be fantastic exactly exactly yep that'd be good all right so um, also too, I, I would be I would be remiss. We are a sports show, so I did stalk through a little bit of your social media profiles as well. Uh, obviously, a Seattle fan, um, uh -huh. kind of claim your Seattle sports teams. It looks like you've been treated to a little bit of success out there with the Seahawks and the Sounders as well. Um, but but what can you tell me about the Kraken? Are you excited for hockey to come out to Seattle? What's kind of the what's Ooh. kind of the mood there? Ooh, ooh, okay, okay. Here's the deal. 
when I was younger and obviously living with my parents, um, my dad was a D- Detroit Red Wings fan. And so we would watch mm-hmm. hockey all the time. I love hockey. We would even go to games that were local. Like, I don't even know what the league would be, but like Tri-City Americans or, you know, just like, I don't know what the league is, but um, it, I love hockey. I love hockey so much. We're so excited for the team to be here. I'm going to be going to football games when I can. We love our Sounders, but hockey, like I wish I would have bought season tickets when they were available, but they went in maybe five minutes, I think. So didn't get on that list, but definitely, definitely excited. There's nothing like it, like sitting right next to the ice and then they're hitting the boards. It's just fantastic. Yeah. I, I would imagine given the time frame of everything, just watching the Red Wings, you retreated to a lot of success with that. So it probably only oh, further Scotty Bowman, a little bit to Steve be like, oh, yeah, like, oh, right. Sorry, I cut you off. I was so excited. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to look. I, I I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a, I'm a Penguins fan. We're, we're in West Virginia, and I have it on my phone here, watching it as we do this. So I'm, I'm a big hockey fan too. I, I get it. We get up for our guys, and that's how it works. Okay, good. You understand. But yes, I had many, many good years. Yes, definitely. I think Shanahan was there during that time. Like I said, Scotty Bowman, that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of good years for sure. Yeah, and now you'll be able to be treated to a little bit more of it out in out in Washington with the new team too. So um, I have one last question for you. So I have a, you know, my co-host here, Ryan, is um, an avid fan. You know, what, what can we do to, to push him along? What can we do to see this man on Survivor? What, what's kind of our next step here that we can do to push that process along? I told Ryan before, it's really just, I mean, you have to submit a video, obviously. I know Ryan has submitted videos before. I have given him tips before. I think one thing to keep in mind, you can't get discouraged. I know some people that have applied 10, 15, 20 times and been called on their last time submitting a video. I know some people that have applied once and been called. So if it's a dream, you just have to keep chasing it. I think if you've submitted multiple videos and it's not working, you need to change it up somehow. And that's really all you can do. There are only so many spots and they're always trying to figure out the best cast for a season, depending on the theme. And you just can't get discouraged. You really can't, you just have to keep trying. That's the best advice I can give. That's all I got really. I wish I, you know, I wish I could say I could no. do more, but unfortunately, that's all I got. Well, now that I know there's Australia, no, here. if I don't get on uh, American, I might just have to apply for Australia. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can do that. Do you have to be a citizen to apply for Australian Survivor? I'm sure How you does that do, work? But you can't bring the dreams down. You can't bring the dreams. <laughs> I'm not trying to crush your dreams. Uh, I promise. Look, Ryan, not, let me I'm tell not. you. You get out there on Australian Survivor, I'm afraid you may not come back because I've seen what they have down there in the outback as far as bugs and animals. So uh, you, you might want to stick to the regular ones so you're not quite as uh, <laughs> quite as eaten up whenever you come back. So might recommend that. But hey, we're going we're gonna to keep working on that dream, Ryan. We appreciate your input, Kelly, with that. So we'll keep pushing that dream along. I'm not fit for Survivor. I like to eat Oreos every day. So it's not really a dream of mine. So, uh, but anyway, Kelly, we really do appreciate you coming in, talking to us a little bit about your experience on the show, talking a little bit of sports with us as well. Uh, we hope that as you keep going throughout your life, you get back to some soccer matches, some football games too. Uh, get to see family again, that everything goes well, that you stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, maybe we'll talk to you again down the road sometime soon. 
That sounds great. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Ryan, how many times do I tell you that I listen to music in the shower? Probably enough where you're sick of it, right? I mean, I like to do it too. I mean, that's, that's the best place to do it. That's a concert shower is the best. It's the only concert you're seeing right now. And it's also the best concert you can give too. Yes. And you know, <laughs> you're a party of one and you know, you get to listen to whoever shuffle, pick your stations, have a blast. I mean, you know, the endless, uh, actually fun fact. Uh, um, I want you to take a guess who I was listening to, uh, for my shower, uh, music shower today. Daughtry. <sighs> well, Daughtry, Daughtry was one of them, but, uh, I was listening to, um, uh, Seether. Okay. Seether and Three Doors Down. Yeah. Um, and you know where I do that is on my favorite service for music, Amazon Music. Yeah, I can get down with a little bit of Seether too on Amazon Music. That would be, uh, that would, I might actually have to go back and listen to a little Seether now. Uh, I try to give a different band every time because I have a big shuffle of my playlist. And actually, I have a new artist that I've been listening to, somebody that I didn't know about until a couple of days ago. His name is Aaron Jones. Um, it's A. Y-R-O-N Jones uh, just released a new song last week called Mercy. It is a fantastic song, a little bit of an ode to a, a kind of bluesy rock type deal, uh, but I fell in love with it. First listen, I was like, okay, um, I'm an Aaron Jones fan now. Who knew that? But you can listen to Aaron, you can listen to Seether, you can listen to all of your favorite genres and artists on Amazon Music, and you will need to sign up today to do that. So use the link, get Amazon Music, dot com backslash to ryan sports to sign up today so you can listen to all of your again favorite artists favorite genres make some playlists get it in there try some new music listen to some aaron if you've never listened to seether check out some seether i'll give you some song recommendations because i love seether so check us out check them out on amazon music and again that link to sign up today is get amazon music.com backslash to ryan sports Man, that was such a fun interview. She, she, uh, Scrabble. Scrabble. Yeah. And now I have, um, I, I still have a note on my, uh, on my card here. It's a pass the pig. So I gotta, I gotta look that up now too. Uh, I've, I've never heard of that. I'm more of a Yahtzee guy, but if it's, if it's that, I'm, I get it. Also, it was kind of freaking me out. I, I don't think I really showed it on camera, but when she was talking about like water in the ears, like dripping down into your ears on, I, Oh no, I don't like that. The, Pass the pig can't be a real game. She has to. She, she can't. That that's that's made up. That sounds like something you do where we're from. <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of game. Yeah. All right. So let's do weekend grab bag real quick, and then do we understand? And then we'll get out of here with Monday morning headlines. Sounds good to me. So weekend uh, grab bag. <laughs> I have three. I have three. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like two of them. You're not. You're. You's gonna gloss over them, but it's fine. Uh, that we do here. Um, well, let's do the one that we're probably both gonna talk about. I don't know if it's on your list, but uh, Oklahoma WVU. Mm -hmm. um, this isn't actually on my weekend grab bag, but I just remembered Villanova plays Creighton. So those are two Saturday matchups that are gonna be very, very key. Uh, come tourney time. Michigan, Wisconsin. Those are three key matchups in the college basketball this weekend yeah well West Virginia's been West Virginia's been a lot of fun to watch recently for all those uh big 12 basketball fans and WVU fans that listen to us from back home but they've 
they've really been putting it together recently. And, and Bob Huggins, obviously approaching 900 wins is only five away now. And, and I feel like he could get there this year. I don't think that's out of the question Ed, by any realm of possibility. Um, but they've really been putting it together and been fun to watch. Uh, I don't know if you saw the last game that they played against Texas Tech. I suppose that was Tuesday uh, where Chris Beard was on the, on the ground griping at a call towards the end of uh, kind of a, kind of a funny scene, but yeah, I'm, I'm back in on WVU basketball. You know, they went through a little bit of a lull there with um, Oscar Shibway drama. And, and now that that's all over and, and we've moved on from that and the guys have kind of gotten back and rallied around each other. It, it seems like it's good to go. So I've been enjoying watching them and, and, They've they've beaten some good teams too. It's not like they're just beating the lower end teams. Uh, to go into Lubbock and beat Texas Tech is not an easy thing to do. No, it's certainly not. I mean, Lubbock, you know, Texas, obviously, you know, with or without fans, that's a hard conference win for us every year. And I mean, I mean, come on, man. The last time there was March Madness two years ago, they were in the national championship. You know, right. they, they they were basically a basket away, similar to that Butler Duke game from many years ago that still t stands the time of an instant classic of winning that game. Um, and when you look at it, they're, they're not just tourney good. They're sweet 16 elite eight good. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that. And I think we both said that at the start of the season, maybe even Seth said that, um, you know, our friend Seth Greenberg, they are truly good. Let's be honest though. Some people saying the Kansas wins huge. Kansas wins not huge. Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, all the blue bloods, having terrible down years. The Kansas win is not as big as it used to be just because Kansas is having an off year. Still nice to get a conference win though. Yeah, always, always nice to get a, a conference win. And, and you know, you're right. They are having a down year, but even in a down year, it's, it's nice to beat those teams. Like it feels good to beat that blue bud, even, even if it is a lower year. Like I, I was watching uh, leading into the WVU game the other night, um, Arkansas beat Kentucky, which I don't know if you saw that ending, but that one was a little bit, that was one of the, not even that it was overly strange, but basically the Kentucky guy, they, they needed to go down the floor and score and, and more or less, he, he almost just basically hands it off to the Arkansas guy to lose the game. I mean, it was, it was absurd, but it, I mean, it was a bounce pass right to the guy. I mean, it couldn't have been any more obvious, like a Neil O'Donnell interception in Super Bowl 30, but I, I, I'm, I was not, I was alive for that, but I, I've seen the clips, okay. not still not over that one. I wasn't even comp comprehending what was going on. Um, yeah. But yeah it, it feels good to beat those teams though. Even in a down year, it feels good to beat those power programs. I don't know if you watched any of North Carolina Duke last weekend. It was odd. It was really mm -hmm. odd. To watch. Um, then my other <laughs> weekend grab bag, um, Hey, Leicester City versus Liverpool, <laughs> seven thirty a.m. Get your get your uh, coffee. I mean, look, man, I told you that I'm going in the Premier League trap. Like, I'm I'm going into a rabbit hole. I love watching Premier League. I don't know what it is. Man City plays Tottenham. Um, maybe it's just like the early Saturday morning sports. I mean, they've always been doing early Saturdays, like when you're on the East Coast anyway. Even if West Coast, it still airs for you. You know what I mean? But I think I just like waking up and having um sports on that are live I, I think that's why i really started to bond with premier league um and i've always loved australian open i don't know if you've seen any australian open last night there were some fantastic matches fantastic matches um although a lot of players we're not going to get into it but a lot of players are given extreme grief over the fact that 
rules that the Australian Open had for them before they could play matches. And I get that because a lot of the top ranked players on both sides of the the brackets right now are out, except for, you know, guys like Nick uh, Kyrgios, uh, who's one of the top tennis players. Of course, Lorena's still in there, you know, so you, you still got a couple top top players. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I just love watching Premier League. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's something to kick the day off. It's kind of like I always think about, um, you know, when the NFL plays in London, you get those like two Sundays a year where you start watching football at 9 a.m. on the East Coast. And and I mean, it it makes for a long day, but it's fun. And, and that's my kind. Now, they could make it better by not giving me like the Jaguars and Vikings every year. You know, they could put, a, you know, a game over there that I might actually care about. Uh, of course, the one time they gave the Steelers the London game, they lost. So maybe don't do that. But uh, to the Vikings, actually. But anyway, yeah, I, I think it's fun to get up and have a full day of sports. I mean, that's that's kind of what weekends are for, right? Either you're watching cartoons and, and just chilling or watching sports. So why not go for it? Yeah, I think that'd be the only time it would be terrible to be a West Coast sports fan mm. is like early 730 Eastern kickoffs are, I think, you know, fine for some people if you're a soccer fan. But imagine being up at like 430 trying to watch like, you know, Liverpool play and you're, you know, a huge soccer fan or like the Australian Open, you know, typically goes into like five or six in the morning. It's like two West Coast time. Right. So, uh, that That's probably the only like sporting events in the off season that mm. happens. But um, yeah, only only place you're going to find Australian Open and uh, Premier League coverage here. Oh, what about NASCAR? Because that's part of my weekend grab bag. Um, <laughs> I know we're all big NASCAR fans here, but obviously the Daytona 500 is this weekend, the kickoff of the 2021 season. Uh, I'll, I'll give my winning prediction on, on the uh, Monday morning headlines, but of course the Daytona 500. If, if you don't watch any other races this year, the Daytona is always kind of the kickoff. It's always fun. Um, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm weird when it comes to NASCAR because I watched a good bit last year with the pandemic, but I, I like super speedways and I like short tracks. It's the, it's the strangest combination because super speedways are fun and that drafting racing is fun, but uh, short tracks are fun too because it's a lot of bumping and a lot of, you know, a lot of just, they call it Rubens racing. And, and that's really what it is. But um, I'm, I love it. Daytona this weekend, looking forward to it. Uh, but also before the Daytona 500, they're airing a documentary on Dale Senior's legacy uh, in the in the world of NASCAR and, and his you know kind of impact that happened throughout his NASCAR career, but also after his NASCAR career. So for those who are not big NASCAR fans, um, you may even though still recognize the name Dale Earnhardt and Dale Earnhardt Senior. Uh, so it's been 20 years now that Dale Earnhardt Senior has been passed away since his on-track accident in 2001 at the Daytona 500. Um, and I'm actually, I'm actually looking forward to this documentary uh, because I read an article about Dale Sr.'s passing and, and kind of the impact that it had, but also the legacy that it's brought. Uh, it's been 20 years since there's been another on-track fatality in the NASCAR series. So even though that this was a, a very unfortunate moment, it's, it's brought about some positive changes. Uh, and I don't know if you saw the crash last year at the Daytona 500, where Ryan Newman slammed the inside wall, flipped up on his top, and was hit driver's side at 200 miles an hour by, uh, I believe it was Corey LaJoy, but, you know, that that detail doesn't matter. The the first immediate thought that went through my head, as morbid as it sounds, is, I mean, he's dead. He has to be dead. Nobody gets hit driver's side 200 miles an hour and survives. But point being is, is if you can survive that, it, it really gives you hope that 
uh, you know, we're in the right place as far as safety when it comes to a, a very high speed sport. I don't want to sound uh, stupid, but uh, well, I mean, you asked me Premier League questions here recently. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes, like you know, well, you know, uh, like what, what's the difference between like uh, this team and that team? Um, what's the difference between a short track and a super speedway? Awesome. So, um, you know, some of this comes from my first love of NASCAR, uh, like this. Super Speedway uh, is something like Daytona or Talladega, where it's a two and a half mile or two mile track. Uh, so a lap would be the, the two miles around the track. Short track is like Martinsville or Bristol, where it's about a half mile around the track. So it's much shorter. Uh, and the speeds are a lot different, too, as you can imagine. So if you put 40 cars in a, in a half mile track, they're you know, doing about 90 to 100. But in a super speedway, you're getting up over about 200 miles an hour. Um, and, and they run different. So NASCAR also has, and, and I don't know all of this in depth, but NASCAR has different packages too that they run with these cars. Uh, because on a, on a short track, you're obviously not going to race the same way that you would on a super speedway because of the length of the track. So uh, these cars are just designed a little bit different to run on super speedways. So if you watch the race on Sunday, you'll see a lot of like draft racing where cars basically nudge up on each other and kind of almost clip to a bumper. And they just try to draft cars behind them uh, and make passes that way where it's it's much different on a, on a short track. But you know, maybe that's getting into it a little bit too far, but basically just the differences in, in size of track. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, sure. I'll watch day 10 and I guess for like, maybe like nine or 10 laps and, you know, maybe pro- probably turn it off. I mean, I do watch the Daytona when I know that it's on and sometimes I forget that it's on. It's just one of those things that I don't always, you know, put in the calendar, but I know it's there. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, on why- Valentine's day, nonetheless. What better way to show love than watch the Daytona 500? I mean, I didn't even know it was coming up, man. I, I had no idea either thing was coming up. Um, That's no. okay, though. Hey, also, too, weekend grab bag. I have just a couple other quick things here looking at other major sports. Uh, Steph Curry's been on a tear recently. Uh, I know that we said – I know that you said that Golden State may not be in the same place that they would be this year, but he is – he really looks amazing the last, you know, four, three or four games. Now they play blo- – let me try that again. They play Brooklyn this weekend. Uh, also some good matchups in hockey as well, Tampa Bay, Florida. Uh, Colorado and Vegas on Sunday, the late game. That'll be a fun one to watch with uh, you know, superstars Nathan McKinnon, but also Washington and Pittsburgh in hockey too, one of my favorite rivalries in the sport. Always a fun game to watch. Always a tight matchup. Um Sunday at three, Washington and Pitt. So it'll be a little bit of a switch with the 500 and a little bit of hockey too. Yeah. Um, Washington, Pittsburgh is one of those things that, man, I wish I, I miss fans for, you know, mm-hmm. it, I agree. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if there's great crowd noise. Um, do we understand? I have one. Mm-hmm. Do we understand 2021 Oscars are going to be hosted from multiple locations? Um, what does that mean? I mean, are we going to have a host from their living room? Are we going to have no host? Because last year they did it with no host. Um, are we going to shorten the time down? Because <laughs> it's typically like three hours. Like all the technical diffi- like categories, they can. I understand why they do it. 
but they can shorten that and do that on like a different kind of area. You know what I mean? They can, they can do it, announce it, do videos, whatever. They don't need to stretch the technical categories like best hair and makeup, those kind of things into the three hour show. Give me the main ones. But then again, I guess if they just gave you the main ones, it'd probably only be like an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. But um, do we understand? I think more than anything, what this is going to tell us is what celebrities have good internet. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you go through all the Zoom technicalities and then, you'll, you know, somebody just starts to get and they see the little your internet connections unstable type deal. Um, now, obviously, I'm used to seeing that uh, where I'm from, but <laughs> they may not always be used to seeing that on a, on a higher bandwidth place. But uh, I, I think award shows are too long anyway. All of them are. Every single award show is way too long. It's, it's drawn out to a point where, you know, like you said, you really get into technical categories. And uh, I think the same way with the Grammys too, like, you know, there's so many performances and it just, it feels so drawn out and extended for no reason. When the point of the show is to really just give the awards and, and recognize the talent. Uh, but I'll, I'm going to be hundred percent honest, just in general with entertainment. I don't always put a lot of stock in award shows either. Uh, especially something like the Grammys. I'm a big music guy. Um, you know, I've, I've said on this show multiple times, like rock and metal is, is my, is my wheelhouse. They don't even show that category. They don't even show the metal category on the Grammys. So why would I care about something that they don't care about when I listen to? Uh, so I, I don't know. It, it just, you're not going to tell me what to like based off of what the industry tells me to like. But uh, I will say that with the Oscars though, it's, it's led me to watch some movies that I may not have seen otherwise. So I think that's at least one benefit of it where necessarily the same wouldn't be true of the Grammys saying, oh, you have to listen to this pop artist. I, I think I'll pass. At least the Oscars gives me something to to kind of categorize and say, oh, that movie sounds like something I would like. Why have I not heard of that? Yeah, I, um, I've i seen the Best Picture winner for the Oscars since like 2011, like the movie that's won Best Picture. Mm -hmm. I did see Shape of Water, which is a very strange movie. Uh, I turned it off like, in a, like an hour and like 20 minutes into it. Like it, it was good, but you know, it just, it just wasn't for me, but I understand why one best picture. I haven't seen the last two though, which uh, are the green book and parasite. Um, although parasite I hear is phenomenal. It was like added to Hulu, like two weeks after it won best picture and it like shattered streaming records for the amount of people that flocked to Hulu to watch it. I actually still, I, it's actually still in my queue in Hulu. Hulu. It's, it's one of the things that I want to watch. Uh, I was very weirded out though. The first time I watched it, of course, I know it's a, a Korean movie and that the, the, the the language that they speak Korean. Um, for some reason, I couldn't get my subtitles out of Spanish. So I'm watching a, I'm watching a movie that's being spoken in a language that I don't understand, but also subtitled in a language that I don't fully understand. So I was very confused and I just had to turn it off, but I eventually figured it out. Um, and I'm going to have to watch it eventually because I know some people have that argument of subtitles and like, Oh, if you actually watch the subtitles, you actually watch the movie. I want to see it because it sounds as if it's an amazing movie. Uh, it wouldn't win Best Picture if it didn't or if it wasn't an amazing movie. So I, I will brave the subtitles again to watch what I hear is an amazing movie. Yeah, it, I mean, it's the first foreign film ever to win Best Picture at the Oscars. I mean, we have to have Adnan on before Oscar time. We have to have our friend Adnan on back on to talk Oscars because I'm interested to see what movies are going to be nominated for Best Picture. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about it, 2020, it's an odd what, year for what, it. what really came out what really came out you know what i mean like even the movies that went and did the strategy to on demand or streaming services what really came out 
nothing nothing where it was like ooh got to see that maybe wonder woman but that's not going to be nominated for an oscar so heard there's a lot of um netflix movies that are looking at making a run at the 2022 oscars <laughs> yeah they they're oh dude uh, don't even bother uh they're they're in the uh like the second or third week of the week cycle and i i just refuse to watch the the first two or three they i mean uh yeah, maybe give me a sports one and we'll we'll go through that. But anyway, um, I actually have two on the Do You Understands, and, and one of them is actually something that we've talked about on this on this show before, uh, but I actually finally got around to watching it. Also on Hulu, we always stick with our streaming service friends. Uh, I watched the documentary on Britney Spears. Oh, you did? Yes, I did. The, the like the hour and a half thing yeah. on, on Hulu with the New York Times or whatever it is. Um, you know, really just to kind of bring it back into the light here, because I finally went back and watched it. it I don't want to get too much into this, but can we understand, can we just put this to bed right now, everybody, that the media and everybody surrounding what happened to her is what ruined her? It was not her going crazy. It was is that pretty much everybody in the world ruined her by basically sexualizing somebody who was 18 years old and, and just being very strange about it. So I can't seem to understand why that was acceptable. I know we've, we've become more socially aware in the last, you know, five, 10 years now. How was that okay still in 2000 though, to, to do that? I, I don't know if I understand how it got that bad that we just didn't even realize it. This, this is going to shock you. This is the first time you've seen something and I haven't. Oh, but yeah, but I, I've heard that I know you're for people. Uh, yeah, Ryan's doing a uh, fist pump right now because like he he's he has an entertainment thing over me. I'm going to try to watch it. I'm going to try to find it. I, I, I hear it. It really just doesn't tell her side of the story from what mm -hmm. I hear. Um, she actually, you know, I, I don't know if you follow her on any social media, but she posted something on Instagram basically saying that we don't know the ins and outs of a person's life. And she posted uh, an image on her Instagram about performing Toxic, one of her most popular songs, obviously, from three years ago at some, some show, um, and saying that, you know, we don't know the person's life inside and out. And look, man, it, it, it's, it's weird. Um, she, you know, she's been in the spotlight since she was like 16, bro. Like she's been out there and, you know, she dated Timberlake. She did, you know, the hit me baby one more time, like all the early, you know, Britney Spears stuff. And, you know, she dated Kevin Federline, which I feel like part of the media tearing her down a little bit is because she did marry Kevin Federline. Cause like Kevin Federline was literally, Oh, who's this guy? Like who, you know what I mean? He's not an actor or, an, you know, a big celebrity. Like why is she married to him? And, you know, she then was like a judge on one of those like talent shows. So she, she's had a rough road. Um, you know, it's a shame that, you know, what's happening. I obviously, we don't know her, but I would hope to think that she controls her own social media. I don't know if she does though, but I feel like that post that she put the other day was the first time in a while. It was like, Ooh, okay. Maybe, maybe she has some say, but anytime she posts something, it's always the same exact thing mm -hmm. same exact thing 
it's very cryptic and very strange. And, and when you watch the documentary, we, you know, you can let me know what you feel about it too, but you're right. It doesn't tell her side of the story. If it, and that's the thing about documentaries. And I've said this before here is, is that documentaries are kind of slated to basically only tell you one side. Uh, and a, a lot of times, and certainly that's what you're going to get when there's a party that's not participating in the documentary is you're going to hear everything negative about it, but you're not going to hear uh, necessarily what they have to say about it too. So I get that, but I don't know. It, it, I mean, everybody talks about her meltdown in like 2007 and they're like, oh, she shaved her head. I can't believe it. What do you mean? Well, I mean, the, the paparazzi is sitting on, basically sitting on top of her car everywhere she goes. She can't go anywhere without people basically being all over her. I don't blame her. I don't blame her at all. You know, I'm, I may not be as big into the music now, but, you know, just on a personal level of just being a human, uh, leave somebody alone. You know? maybe maybe don't be a creepy stalker type person and that's the wrong way to put it i mean they're getting paid to do this but uh i don't need to know that much about a celebrity's life i don't need to know what they got at the mexican restaurant down the street doesn't matter to me um so maybe we just take a page out of that book huh i think that was after all the kevin Federline stuff too like when she shaved her head and like Mm -hmm. you know yeah, I, I don't blame her at all. Well, my, my last, do you understand, um, one, one other one that's been making its rounds on the internet. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen it. If not, I highly encourage you to look it up. Uh, is the lawyer cat. I feel like that's all I have to say. Um, so my, my question with do you understand is, do you understand how it got to a point that you put a cat filter on yourself? Because I've been using Zoom for over a year. And I mean, I've had my arm sitting on something and like my cursor will go somewhere or like, you know, the mouse will get a little errant. But uh, never have I clicked anything to a wormhole or a rabbit hole to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm a cat now. So how, how did that happen? Do you understand even remotely how that could happen? It, may, <laughs> it makes zero sense. Like, what was the thought process and the fact that he's a lawyer and it was during like a trial, like some sort of trial that was happening. Um, why not just do what other people have done and put like Bahama background or, you know, uh, favorite city background, those kind of things. Like I've seen that all the time. What, what was the thought process in him just a, like simply putting a cat and it wasn't like a, like a funny cat. It was like a weird looking cat. Yeah, I, I don't understand. So I'm actually, I'm looking through it now here. So just give me a moment. Um, I, I see where that would come through and, and where that would happen. Um, oh, snap. Yeah, uh, this isn't the same cat. This is bad radio, but I do have a cat filter on now. Um, so I can see where that would happen. But like, I had to download this I had to apply it. I had to like bring it on. I mean, there's like five steps involved in putting a filter on on Zoom. Uh, so this this person clearly, I don't know, I don't know what they did, but I mean, they went down a rabbit hole to yeah. find that filter. I couldn't even find the one they had. So I mean, unless this was for like a, an afternoon happy hour with your client, uh, there's no reason this should have happened. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no, uh, no reason at all. Um, all right, uh, Monday morning headlines. Well, college basketball, it's rounding the corner. College basketball is rounding the corner, and we're, we're nitty-gritty anyway into conference play. 
but we're coming down the home stretch with about a month and a half, three, three to four, three to four weeks left of real intense basketball play before we get to conference play of, of, of tournaments, you know, mm-hmm. of, of tournaments, really. It depends on what I feel like the NCAA still hasn't made up their mind and it's probably based on the conference, but the conferences still haven't really made up their mind. Are we going to play these conference tournaments? Are we going to play for, you know, championships for at large bids for teams who are on the bubble? Um, and then this is a, a quick little nugget. Um, the internet's going to go crazy on Sunday because, um, well, three day, three days from now when, when this is being recorded, but, um, so on Friday, this will be two days from now, but, uh, Zack Snyder's dropping the official trailer for justice league. And there was like, just like a little snippet of it released today. The internet, I, it's, it went insane. I mean, so every, everyone's starving for this trailer and they're going to get it. So, um, yeah, those are my Monday morning headlines. Internet's going to go crazy college basketball. Yeah. Well, I think one of the big headlines is that the quarterback carousel is going to continue. Uh, we're only going to see more reports about quarterbacks and trades. And we've talked so much about it on the front half of this show. Uh, you're going to see more Russell Wilson news. You're going to see more Carson Wentz news and more Deshaun Watson news. So, just go ahead and prepare yourselves. That's going to be headlines for weeks to come now. Uh, but my big Monday morning headline is the Daytona 500. And on this edition of Ryan's NASCAR picks, I am going to take a great restrictor plate super speedway racer to fit the theme of this show, the third Ryan, Ryan Blaney. I'm going to pick Ryan Blaney to win the Daytona 500. Uh, He raced well last year at Talladega and also had some good runs at Daytona in the past. Uh, He's also coming off an unfortunate event in the Bush Clash earlier this week where he was spun out on the last lap. Uh, Not entirely his fault, but he is a great super speedway racer. Again, raced well at Talladega last year, and I think Ryan Blaney is going to take home the Daytona 500 this year. All right. Well, we'll exchange messages uh, on that, I guess, uh, over the weekend about Premier League and uh, Daytona. so, but if they want to hear all these interviews and, uh, you know, upcoming segments and, you know, guests, you know, where, where do they do this, Ryan? Yeah. So you're going to find us on Apple and Spotify. That's where our show is. Uh, most of you have probably found us on there, I would assume, but Apple and Spotify to Ryan sports show. But if you're keeping up with all of the latest news and episode drops and announcements, uh, of course you can subscribe on Apple and Spotify, but we also have our social media accounts to Ryan sports show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So again, that's the two Ryan sports show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, talking about all the latest sports news. We'll do quick one-off videos, but that's where we're posting all of our episodes too. Make sure you give us a like, a follow, whatever the social media platform calls for. Um, help us out a little bit folks, but yeah, that's where you're going to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And we'll see everyone on uh, Tuesday. Have a good weekend, guys. Yep. Have a great sports weekend.